listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. Now let's listen in. In Isaiah 35, I just want to, I want to read this to you. Um, in verse 3 it says, Strengthen the feeble hands, steady the knees that give away. Say to those with fearful hearts to be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. <laughs> then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool. The thirsty ground bubbling springs. The haunts with jackals once lay. Grass and reeds and papayas will grow. And a highway will be there and it will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. Wicked fools will not go on it. No lion will be there, nor will any ferocious beast Get up on it. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed will walk there, and the ransom of the Lord will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. (laughs) That's a good word. But strengthen the feeble hands. and, And, you know... It's, it's at times when you're in the middle of, of stuff. Um, my favorite Greek word is skubala. <laughs> if you don't know what that is, ask me later. <laughs> when you're in the middle of it, um, to have people that, you know, are helping you to strengthen, you know, those feeble hands and to lift you up and to pray for you and to encourage you and to just be there, you know, to just, to just have a shoulder to cry on. Um, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9, it says this, that two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. Kathy mentioned something about, uh, she said something earlier about the armor, and how all the pieces of armor protect where? They protect the front of you. There's no protection on the back. And it's for a couple of reasons. One is God is our protector. The other is we protect each other's backs. So when 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 we're fighting together, you know somebody's got your back. And this, you know, for us, this has just been a time where we've been able to um, you know, just experience that um, that we need each other. <laughs> you know, if somebody thinks they can make it in this life by themselves, they're um, they're a fool in reality. Because we got to have one another. We need one another. We need the body of Christ. We need each other to do this thing. And uh, and God's God God's in the middle of that. Um, all right, I'm going to move fast. I, I, 
I'm, I'm actually going to preach the Christmas story here two months earlier. Are y'all okay with that? <laughs> Look in Luke chapter 1, verse 5. There's just some things I want to bring out here. Um, I'm titling this perplexed but not in despair. <laughs> perplexed but not in despair. Look in Luke 1. Let's start in verse 5. I'm going to read through this quick, just for sake of time. At the time of Herod, king of Judah, Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were upright in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and regulations blamelessly. In other words, these were, these were good folks. Okay, these were righteous people. They walked with God. But they had no children because Elizabeth was barren and they were both well along in years. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving the priest before God, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to go into the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And when the time for the burning of the incense came, all the assembled worshipers were praying outside. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel of the Lord said what all angels say, don't be afraid. Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or tempered drink or fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God, and he will go before the Lord in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Then Zechariah asked this angel, he asked this question, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is along in years. The angel answered and said, I'm Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you the good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Why? Because you did not believe my words, which will come true in their proper time. Zechariah is, is, there's, what I want you to see in this passage, there's two, there's two, there's two responses that are going on. One is going to be Zechariah and one is Mary. Zechariah is asking the question, how can this happen? And his question of how it can happen is a how of unbelief. And that's what it says. That, that's what the angel said. Because you didn't believe my words, this is what's going to happen to you. So Zechariah basically said, hey, I'm an old guy. Elizabeth's an old woman. How can this happen? And, and probably going through his mind is this. We've been living for God for a long time, and it hasn't happened before. It's, it's, you know, it's probably our chances of this happening. Or, or how, how can it happen? He's, he's like, he's, sure. That's kind of the attitude. that you. It's, yeah, right. Sure, it's going to happen. So he's, he's, he's operating in unbelief here. Meanwhile, the people are waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long. Let's jump down. I'll, I want to go down to, um, go to 26, verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to the man named Joseph and the descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly in favor, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at the words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, don't be afraid. (laughs) 
Mary, you have found favor with a God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary goes around, and then she says what? How will this be since I am a virgin? There's a total different how here. Her how is this. Okay, I believe it. Just, you know, how is it going to happen? It's like, I, I expect it to happen. I'm believing what you're saying. I just want to know how. Because how, I'm a virgin. <laughs> you know, what, what's going to happen? She's just kind of getting some questions answered. It's not that she's not saying, oh, I don't believe that. Zechariah was saying, it ain't going to happen. How is this going to happen? Are you with me? So one's like a how of unbelief. The other is a how of belief, but just wants some understanding. And that's what Mary is saying. In fact, if you go down to verse 38, she answers this. Or actually, look at verse 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, for nothing is impossible with God. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be done to me as you have said. Like the difference between faith and unbelief. And again, Zechariah was probably kind of like the sense of, of I don't understand. Help me understand. What What do you mean? This, uh, I, th- no way this can happen. You see, on one side, there's a sense of, of, of unbelief. There's a sense of, of I don't you know what's going on here. I don't understand this. And on Mary's side, she's like, let it happen. I, I, according to your word, let it happen. But just explain to me, how, how's that going to happen? How am I, how's this going to happen to me? There's many, um, you know, let me try to clarify that a little bit. For us, sometimes if we're not careful, there's this need for us to want to know why. Does that make sense? We, when something, some kind of tragedy or some event or something happens in our life, something that's happened like with Kathy, when something goes on, often if we're not careful, we want to know why. We need, we need to have this understanding versus just believing like Mary did and receiving and walking on a faith. There's a, there's a difference between the two responded, and that's what I want you to see. And there's many examples of this in Scripture. One of my favorite examples is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Y'all know them? What happened to them? They were, they were men of God. They walked faithfully with God. They were young men. But what happened? Nebuchadnezzar, it was Nebuchadnezzar, right? Nebuchadnezzar comes around and says, you guys are going to bow to me and pray. And they go, no way. And then he has this conversation with them. And then he heats the furnace up. He throws them into this hot fire. It was so hot that the guards that throw them in actually died. And then, and then they what? What happened to them? They were walking around in the furnace, but who was with them? Jesus was with them. Right in the middle of the fire, Jesus was with them. Now, can you imagine, again, sometimes we read these stories, and I know these guys, again, in fact, as they even said, you know, they said to Nebuchadnezzar, you know what, even if God doesn't deliver us, we know he's able, but if he doesn't, we're still going to follow him, okay? They had faith, no doubt about that, but I I still just kind of suspect, probably in their mind, it was like, there had to have been almost to some degree the sense of, you know, why is this happening to me? I got to... That's hot. That's hot. <laughs> I don't want to get in there. I don't. I don't want to. Why? There's always there's a sense of question. And one, you know, one of the 
One of the things that's always struck me in Scripture, when you read through the Scriptures, why is it, why do some of them, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, why, why did they make it through the fire? Those through the fire. God didn't deliver them from it. He delivered them through it. Big difference. Why did they come through the fire and not die? But other people in the Scripture that had faith, John the Baptist, we just read about him going to be born. Him going to be born. That's good English. We just read about him being born. And then what happened to him? He had his head cut off. How about Peter? Peter gets thrown in jail, and what happens to him? The church starts praying for him, and what happens? An angel God comes along, and 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 <laughs> I love that story. In fact, is one of the things I liked about the story is it's like Peter thought he was dreaming this, and it didn't. It wasn't until after he got outside he realized, oh, this is really happening. And so God del- miraculously delivers Peter. But how about James? He died in prison. He was killed. It's like some. It's like sometimes it's like. I don't understand, God, why some sometimes it looks like they make it and sometimes they don't. Here's my word. We don't know. <laughs> we don't know why some get delivered and some don't. We don't know why some walk in freedom and some don't. We don't know why some lost their heads and some don't. We don't know why some Christians today are being persecuted and some are. We don't know. We know there's an enemy that's doing that because here's one of my favorite quotes. I've shared this with you guys before. This is a good quote. I like that quote, don't you? Where's the quote, guys? When it comes to crisis, has that been working at all? Hello? <laughs> there we go. You ought to take a picture of that. Here's an incredible quote. When it comes to crisis or events that really upset us, this I've learned. You can, you can have God or you can have understanding. Sometimes you can have both. But if you insist on understanding, it often doesn't come, and that can create a distance between you and God because you're upset and demanding an explanation in order to move on, but the explanation isn't coming, and so you withdraw a bit from God and lose the grace that God is giving. He doesn't explain everything, but He always offers he always offers, can y'all read it? Is it too low? He always offers, is it not there? He always offers himself. <laughs> y'all might have to stand up and take a picture of that one. You can't read it. I'm going to read it again. When it comes to crisis, how many of you have ever been in crisis? Never. When it comes to crisis or events that really upset us, this I've learned, you can have God or you can have understanding. Sometimes you can have both. But if you insist on understanding, it often doesn't come. And that can can create a distance between you and God because you're upset and demanding an explanation in order to move on. But the explanation isn't coming, and so you withdraw a bit from God and lose the grace that God is giving. He doesn't explain everything, but He always offers Himself. He doesn't, listen to me, you won't always understand why. You with me? 
in the middle of the crisis, when the crisis is over, you may, you may on that particular instance or that particular issue in your life, that particular crisis, you may never understand why. And if we insist, what elders are saying is, if we insist on the need to understand why, I've said that. I mean, I've had that conversation with God. I said, God, just help me understand why. And sometimes he gives an explanation. My personal experience, most of the time he doesn't. He wants to know we're just going to trust him. Is he enough? Is what he's saying. Is he enough? Will you trust me in the middle of this? In the middle of this exam, in the middle of this, this issue, in the middle of this, this thing that's going on, will you trust me? Flip over to 2 Corinthians. Hope you got your Bibles with you tonight. 2 Corinthians. This is one of my favorite verses. I say that about a lot of them, don't I? This really is one of my favorite. 2 Corinthians 4. Look what it says. Verse 4, verse, chapter 4, verse 7. <laughs> But we have this treasure in jars of clay. What's the jars of clay? Us. We have this treasure in us. Jar, what, is, what is jars of clay? What's that mean? That they're what? Yes, they're fragile. We have this treasure in us to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Now look what he says. Here's, here's what I like. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Here's my favorite one. Perplexed, but not in despair. (laughs) Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. I love this. Perplexed, listen to me. Perplexed, but not in despair. In other words... It's okay to be perplexed. It's not okay to be in despair. I'm going to give you a little, a little Greek here. Perplexed means this. It's the Greek word apopereo, reo, apereo. It means to lose one's way. It's a picture of someone who is so confused that he can't figure out where he's going. Ever been there? So confused that he can't figure out where he's going, what he's doing, or what is happening around him. This person is completely bewildered by surrounding events. That's perplexed. God, I just, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why is this happening to me. I've been, God, I've been walking with you for this many years. I've been faithful. I've been giving. I've been tithing. I've been praying. I've been reading the Bible. I've been studying, memorizing verses. I've been witnessing. God, why me? (laughs) Perplexed. Lost. To some degree, and where you're going, you know, you're you're surrounded by events, and it's just perplexing. Now, listen to this: despair is the Greek word, and it's an X in front of the apero. It's the same word with an X in front of. It means to be utterly without way, without resource, and despair. It's an intense form of perplexed. Paul says, "Listen." We're perplexed sometimes in our lives. 
but we're not in despair. There's a difference. Despair means this. Despair means I've given up hope. Despair means I'm, I'm done. I've given up. I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. This thing ain't working. I don't have any hope left. I'm done. That's despair. Perplexed is, I just don't get this. It, it's got me confused right now, but I'm staying the course. I'm going to keep walking that direction. I'm, I'm not even sure. I, I'm not even sure that I'm, I just know I'm supposed to go that way. And by faith, I'm going to go that way. <laughs> From all the signs and all the evidence around me, it doesn't look like things are good. It doesn't look like things are happening the way I think they ought to happen. But you know what? God said go that way, so I'm going to just keep going that way until He tells me differently. That's the difference between perplexed but not in despair. Don't you like that? And that's good, Bob. <laughs> Skip on down a couple of verses. It gets even better. Look at verse 16. Paul saying this, Therefore, therefore, we do not what? Lose heart. Everybody say that. We do not lose heart. <laughs> Why would he say that? Why would Paul say we don't lose heart? Why would he say that? Because it's what? It's possible to lose heart. <laughs> right? If it wasn't possible, he wouldn't say we don't do it. Therefore, we don't, oh goodness gracious, we don't lose heart. <laughs> Though outwardly, outwardly we are what? Wasting away. What's that mean? On the outside, from appearance, it looks like everything's going wrong. It looks like, it just looks like trouble. It looks like, it looks like finances are going to get me. It looks like health's going to get me. It looks like this, it looks like my kids. It looks like this is going to happen and that's going to, outwardly, it just looks bad. Yet inwardly, inwardly, in here, in your spirit, in your heart, inside here, inwardly, we're being renewed day by day. See, there's things you can do, and I'm not going to take the time to go on that, but there's things you can do when it looks like all hell's breaking out that helps you to be renewed day by day. One of them's just getting the Word. Read what the Word says. One of them's just worshiping God. Just, just get some, get along with God and worship. Even if you don't feel like it, you do it. Oh, I love this. There's some, have you, read, you ever read this? There's some good stuff in here. <laughs> For <laughs> Let's start over. Therefore, we don't lose heart. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not going to lose heart. Therefore, I'm not going to lose heart. We don't lose heart. Outwardly, it may look like all hell is breaking loose, but inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. Look at me, says verse 17. For our light and momentary troubles, <laughs> our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us 
an eternal glory that far out, that outweighs them all. How do we do that? Verse 18. So we what? We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. How do I do that? How do I not lose heart? How do I get and and walk through this when I understand that these things, listen to me, the stuff that's coming against us is light and momentary afflictions. Now in the time, it may look like all hell's breaking loose. It may be as heavy as a zillion tons. But it's light and momentary afflictions. When we what? Keep our eyes fixed on on what things? Let's read it again. We fix our eyes on what is what? Not seen. But on what? So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen, what you can see with these eyes, is what? Temporary. But what is unseen is what? Eternal. My, 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 my. That's just good stuff. So when you're, when this, when it, listen to me. When it happens, whatever it is, the scuba, <laughs> what do we put our eyes on? The eternal things. Fix our eyes on Jesus. You know what it says in Hebrews? Fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and what? Perfecter of our faith. Guess, guess where, guess where your faith gets grown? It's in the middle of the stuff. You see, it's, it's easy to walk with Jesus when just everything's going just wonderful and hunky dory and you got all your bills paid. In fact, you got more money than you give them to spend. And your health's wonderful and all the kids are doing great and all the family's doing what? Well. It, man, it's just, it's just, it's easy. <laughs> but when the things that are seen go bad, then you got to put your eyes not on them, but on Him. Let's look at these light momentary afflictions for just a second, and then I'm going to wind this up. 2 Corinthians 11. Look at verse 23. This is really interesting. You see, when I think of light momentary afflictions, what I think of is an ingrown toenail. <laughs> <laughs> or what I think of is, you know, maybe the AC quit working. I mean, that's that's on the edge. That that could be real close to being more than light and momentary, especially in the summertime. Okay, light and momentary afflictions. Now, here here's what Paul calls light and momentary afflictions. Look at verse twenty three, eleven twenty three. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind. I'm more. I have. Look what he says. He does. This is Paul. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely. Should we just stop? Been exposed to death again and again. 
listen, five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. That's 39, if you're wondering. I'm a mathematician. Three, listen, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's not with pot. Three times I was shipwrecked. <laughs> It almost gets funny, doesn't it? I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, danger from my own countrymen, danger from the Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the country, and danger at sea, and danger with false brothers. I've labored and toil and have gone without sleep. I've been hunger and thirsty and have gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Look at me. That's light (laughs) and momentary afflictions. I'm not certain ours even are even on the scale. (laughs) That's light and momentary. Here's here's one of my favorite verses. God, I keep saying that all the time. Besides, listen to Paul. Besides all that, besides besides all this other stuff. I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Paul's listening right there with all this other stuff. His concern, his heart, his concern for churches, for the people of God. How that weighs on him. How that works on him. That's light and momentary afflictions. I read this quote. It says this, I find myself wanting two things that are mutually opposed to each other. I want to have a nice little life and I want to play an important role in God's kingdom. (laughs) Isn't that good? You see, I can find myself out in the country, in the mountains, on the lake, stream, deer. Kathy's there with me. (laughs) Just wanted to clarify that. Just chilling, just enjoying the weather because it's nice weather. It's not hot. It's not cold. Perfect weather. Just, just enjoying life. Just, just, just a nice, I mean, didn't, isn't that why Jesus died so we could have a nice little life? <laughs> isn't that what we're led to believe? See, here's the problem. I want to have that nice little life and at the same time play an important role in the kingdom of God. You understand you can't do that? John Wimmer used to make this statement. It always drove me crazy. He used to make this statement that God did not die for clean air. And what he meant was that. He wasn't anti-environmentalist. What he meant was that by that is God didn't die for you to live out in the country in clean air in a nice little quaint spot just enjoying life. Jesus died for us and for us to impact others. you got to be around others to impact them. 
You know, if you read this thing, this book called the Bible, you'll find a lot of examples of men and women of God that walk with God, that walk through a lot of those light momentary afflictions and kept walking, kept pushing forward, didn't give up, didn't quit, kept moving toward Jesus, kept the faith. In fact, this Hebrews 11 is full of, of people that did that. They kept the faith. They kept going. They kept pushing. In fact, some of them, it says they never saw it. They were looking for the, for what? They were looking for the, for the who? They were looking for the end. They were looking for heaven. They were looking, many of them were looking for what we have. That's what they were looking for. That kind of walk with Jesus. That kind of relationship that we can have. Sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes we need each other. A lot of times, we, most of the time we need each other. Praying for one another, encouraging one another to do this thing, to walk this walk. Amen? Um, the good news is it's worth it. It is. That's the good news. It's worth it. It's worth it now. It's worth it here. I, I, I can't even imagine living in this world without faith in Jesus. I, when you see stuff that like happened at this church, that not this church, but the church, that, that guy came in there and shot all these people. I, I mean, you see the stuff going on in the world around us. I mean, I, I, people, listen to me, people around you are walking in despair. They're not perplexed. They're in despair. And and you and I can sh- we can share with them. Kathy and I maybe we'll share her very soon. But we had many opportunities up there in the hospital just to just shine. I mean that I mean, that was hard shining, <laughs> but just to shine. We had one young guy who's probably in his twenties, little Hispanic dude came in. He was taking Kathy downstairs. And he was called the transport dude, and he walks in. He as soon as he opens the door, he goes, "Woo! The positive energy in this room!" <laughs> Literally, deadly. He's—I mean, I mean—he's not even in the door yet. He just opens the door and he goes, "Woo!" I mean, it's like he steps back and says, "Man, the positive energy in this room's crazy. It's incredible." <laughs> and I just looked at him and said, "That's Jesus. <laughs> That's Jesus. Who's that positive energy?" Kathy had a chance to pray with nurses, and I just, I mean, she's, she's Miss Positive. <laughs> she had a lot more positive influence than I probably would have. <laughs> well, hey man, let's stand up, guys. You've been listening to a teaching from Vineyard Church in Jacksonville, Florida. For more information on teachings and special events, please visit us online at www.vcjax.org. That's vcjax.org. 